The following audio is from the Sunday morning worship service at First Baptist Church in Clayton. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcclayton.com. Hi, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 is where we're starting. And uh, if, you've, if you've been around me much at all for the last week or, or two weeks, um, you've probably heard me talk about how excited I am about this book. Um, I, I said a long time ago, uh, I said, if I ever become a pastor, this is going to be one of the books that, that I try to tackle, um, which scared the daylights out of me, because if, if it's not done right, this book has the um, potential to become very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very discouraging, very depressing. Um, and so I don't want you leaving church depressed. <laughs> um, and so, so when we're dealing with a book that has that, that, has that ability, we, we've got to do some work. So um, what, what we're going to do is we want to make sure that we're looking at this book through the proper lenses. And here's what I mean by that. If I were to take off my glasses, um, you all become very blurry. Okay, I, I can tell that there are people here, but, but I can't make out who you are. Um, and, and so when I put my glasses on then, everything comes into focus. And I can see all your bright and lovely faces. And so what we want to do is make sure that we're looking at Ecclesiastes through the proper glasses so that, so that it comes into focus. Because if not, as I said, you read this, and especially when it, when it starts off in, at right at the very beginning, and depending on your translation, if you have the NIV, the very first words, really, that you're going to read, the author's going to introduce himself, and then the very first thing you're going to read after that is, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. That, those aren't words that usually make you say, yes, praise Jesus, <laughs> okay? Um, and, and so, as I said, we've got we've to make sure we have the right glasses on to see where he's coming from. Um, one, of, one of the things I like about Ecclesiastes is that I think it's one of the most realistic books that we have in the Bible. Um, so I, I'm afraid that as, as preachers, sometimes we um, get into the habit of making a lot of the Christian life seem theoretical. And, and so we talk about things that it would, sure would be nice if we did this, and here are some things that you should do, and here's kind of how the gospel should be affecting your life. Um, but, but I'm afraid that, that a lot of times where we miss the mark is in application, saying this is how, this is what the gospel is, and this is how it should make an immediate impact on your life. And the great thing about Ecclesiastes is that it's going to be brutally honest about life. And so one of the things you're not going to see in Ecclesiastes is any kind of statement like, thus saith the Lord. Okay, so, so you're not going to hear meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, thus saith the Lord. Okay, that's what we have here is the author who, who's generally been accepted as Solomon. We have some of his observations on life, probably as he nears the end of it, as he looks back on his life. And so we're going to see um, this experiment that he does that we're going to get into next week, um, which is definitely a do not try this at home experiment um, but because Solomon was given resources unlike anything that history has seen before or since. So he was uniquely positioned to kind of try out um, all the pleasures that, that life had to offer. We're going to talk about that next week. So he's going he's to give his kind of looking back on his life um, the experiences. And so the, the whole idea of Ecclesiastes is that we have uh, this teacher or this preacher who is giving us 
um, his experiences on life. And, and Ecclesiastes uh, simply means uh, the assembly. So, we are, so here we are, picture us sitting at Solomon's feet as he tells us about what he's experienced in life. And then as I said, we're going to look at this. We have the, uh, the great blessing of having the New Testament and knowing the rest of the story, right? As, as Paul Harvey would say. We, we, we know the rest of the story. So we can look at Ecclesiastes through gospel lenses and, and through Christ's work in the New Testament. And so that's where we're going to be. So let's go to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So let's stand together as we read that this morning. Now, if you, if you have NIV, yours is going to read uh, quite a bit differently, so just, just hang with me, and, and I'll kind of talk about some of the differences here in just a minute. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation comes and a generation a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this great book, and I pray that uh, in the coming weeks, as we spend time going through this uh, verse by verse, that you will just open our eyes to the great treasure that we have, not only in this book, but in your word, and I pray that you will speak to it and, and show us just the, the futility of trying to do life apart from you, um, where, where there are strongholds that need to be broken down, where there are some cycles that need to be broken, I pray that you will do that uh, through our time together over the coming weeks. Um, most of all, we just pray that your word would speak, that it would touch hearts, soften our hearts where we needed them to be softened, change our minds the way, we, the way we see things, the way we think about things, and change our actions. That all of these might bring glory and honor to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You can take a seat. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so as I said, if we're not careful, and, and you can see here in chapter 1, this can get really depressing in a hurry if we're not careful. Uh, because basically, through chapter 1, what he said is, you're going to die, and people are then going to forget about you, and the earth's just going to keep on going like it was before. Uh, and later on, he's going to say, Solomon uh, is going to realize that all the things that he's worked for in his life, he's going to die soon, and his bratty kids are going to take it all over and waste it. And you know what happens? Solomon dies, and his bratty kids take things over, and they waste it, okay? So, so we've got some work to do here to try to put uh, n not a positive spin, but to see this in the proper context and not leave here going, man, life is meaningless. Um, why do I even come? Like, I, I, I hate that I went to church this morning because I left depressed, okay? That's not what I want to happen. But what 
what Solomon's going to do here is give us a reality check and have us look at the way life operates and, and have us take a look at how meaningless, if you have the NIV, or, or the vanity, if you have uh, maybe King James Version or the English Standard Version, uh, how, how pointless it is to live life apart from Christ. Um, so let's just, let's just dive right in. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. As I said, this is Solomon. Um, there, there are lots of arguments about whether or not Solomon actually wrote it or not. I'm not going to get into all those. For our purposes, I'm going to call him Solomon because the son of David, king in Jerusalem, uh, Solomon qualifies. And there's not another um, son of David who was king in Jerusalem. Okay, so, so we'll call him Solomon throughout our time um, and then he goes on, and, and as I said in verse 2, if you have the NIV, yours is going to say meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Um, ESV puts it this way, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, if he uses one word five times in a single verse, we better understand what that word means. And so the word that's translated meaningless or, or vanity is the Hebrew word hebel. And it literally means a breath or a vapor. And I heard one commentator who said there's really not even a word in the English language that describes it, so we just need to start using hebel. We just need to use the the Hebrew word, kind of like we've done with agape, agape love in the New Testament. We just need to make up the English word to to define it. Um, but, But it means literally a breath or a vapor. So, So if we take that, think about what he's saying here. Breath of breaths, says the preacher. Breath of breaths, all is breath. Think about how short your breath is. Just, just take one, real quick. Just, and it's gone. Now, now, look at what he's saying. You don't even get a full breath. You get a breath of a breath. So however short that breath is in your life, you get one of those in the life of a breath. So he's not saying necessarily that everything's meaningless. What he's saying is that everything is fleeting. It goes like that. Anybody ever woken up in the morning and and looked in the mirror and wondered how you got so old so quick? (laughs) Jason, he's like, no, I knew this. (laughs) Hey? Um, Later this year, Michelle and I, and I want to point out, she'll she'll be there before I am, but... um, (laughs) And those six days, she's going to hear about it, all right? Those five days. Um, we're both turning 30 late, later on this year, okay? Um, which hasn't bothered me, really, until I've started watching all my friends' Facebook walls, and it talks about them turning 30. And when all your friends start turning 30, man, they're old. <laughs> I, I, I'm not that old, all right? Um, uh, so so I... I wonder, like, we've, we've been dating, January was 10 years since we started dating. When, when that anniversary came, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, 10 years? Like, we look back on, on all that's happened, a lot's happened, and yet it, it went like that. And, uh, and so, to, to me, like, 30's never been a, a big deal, except now that I'm about to turn 30, and it's not depressing, but it's just it's a reality check, kind of like, like Ecclesiastes. It's just giving us a reality. And so I'm going, man, if the first 
30 years and our first 10 years went by this quickly, um, life isn't nearly as long as I thought it was 10 years ago. And so we've got to understand that, that life is fleeting. And I've experienced this so many times throughout, throughout the, the years. Um, something happens, you know, a great, a great experience, um, a great event, and, and it's, it's fantastic, and then it's gone. And, and I remember this especially being a teenager and going to youth camp and, and having a great week being around um, other teenagers who just who loved Christ, and it was such a great worship experience, and, and then it was gone, and, and back home, and it was kind of like back to the mundane and, and how, how great that one experience was and how fleeting it is. And what Solomon is telling us is, look, you, you have to understand, life is fleeting. Here for that long, and then gone. And, and so I, I want this to be not so much that um, everything is pointless, that your life has no meaning and everything in it has no meaning, just, just realize that it's short. Events are short. Life is short. All too often, much shorter than we wanted it to be. I've, I've never known someone, and, and, and when they died, went, man, I sure am glad they're gone. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never done that. Like, it's always been, it's always been, I, they, they went too soon. There, there, there were other things I wanted to ask, other things I wanted to know. It's short. Uh, so let's go on, verses three and four. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. So, um, so what he says here is, in verse three, what does man gain by all his toil at which he toils under the sun? Under the sun is a key theme. So you, we're gonna hear that repeated over and over and over again. That's why the title of, of this whole uh, series is Life Under the Sun. And what he means by that, it, it, it could be translated also pretty literally under heaven, which means basically life on this earth. So anytime he says under the sun, he simply means on the earth. So let's read it in that context. What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils on the earth? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Do you know what he's asking? What do we gain by all our hard work here? And you know what his conclusion is? We die. This generation dies, another generation comes up, and the earth just keeps on spinning. And when he says the earth remains forever, he's not making a theological statement that the earth is literally going to remain for eternity. What he's saying is simply, um, one day you will no longer be here, and the earth is just going to keep on spinning. The world will not stop because you suddenly cease to exist. The world's not going to stop because I cease to exist. You're going to die, and the world's just going to keep on going. I told you, man, this is tough. This is, this, we, this, um, so verse, verses 5 through 8, then, he's going to illustrate this. Okay, he's going to give us a, a few examples here of how the earth just keeps on going. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuit, the wind returns. Now, we understand maybe better, better than most people the way the wind just keeps going, okay? Um, somebody was telling me, it, Will, it might have been you that said 
There was a study that showed this is the most consistent wind in the nation right through here. Um, so, so if anybody knows anything about wind and how it just keeps going and going, we understand it, right? You can probably count on, your, on one hand the number of days in a year that there's no wind, okay? I've been out on the golf course on two of those so far this year, so we're, we're, we don't have many left, all right? The wind just keeps going. Um, verse, verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. And so him not having the knowledge that we do of, of the way that, um, that water works, right, where the river flows into the ocean, it evaporates, forms clouds, comes back, rains on the earth, and then flows back to the river, and then flows back to the sea. All he knows is that the stream just keeps on going. Streams constantly flowing into the ocean, yet the ocean doesn't fill up. But think about even what we know. Is that not an endless cycle? Water evaporates from the ocean, forms clouds. Clouds come over land, rain. The rainwater flows into rivers and goes back to the ocean, where it evaporates and forms clouds and comes back, and, and, and just this endless cycle. And I, I skipped verse 5, so let's go back there. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. And so over and over, from, from our view on this, on the earth, the sun goes, and then the next day, the sun goes. And, and basically the idea there where it, where it says hastens, uh, the idea is of a runner endlessly running on a track. Just anybody run track in high school? Anybody? Any any. No, no, no athletes. All right, we got a few. We got a few. How about when you were in high school? I don't mean today. Any, anybody run track? Okay, yeah, some of us. Um, any distance runners in? Uh, no, no distance runners. Well, that killed that illustration. Okay, there, there, we got one. Um, if you've ever watched a distant ra- a distance race on a track, how about that? Ever watch your grandkids just um, like the the uh, was it thirty two hundred uh, meter race? They get on the track and they just go and go and go. And that's the idea of the sun, is that it just keeps on its same course over and over and over. Um, and, and where it says in verse 5, the sun rises and goes down and hastens to the place where it rises, that, that, that word hastens can also be translated uh, and returns panting. So the sun rises, the sun sets, comes back the next day panting, and it does it all over again. The sun just keeps on going day after day, um, week after week, year after year. Verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. In other words, as, as he observes all these things, the sun rising, going down, the wind blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing harder and blowing softer and keep on blowing. And, um, and streams constantly running to the sea and not filling it up. He says, all things are full of weariness. In other words, this, in other words, this gets old. The same things. So, so think about it. If, if you're the sun, okay, and let's not, don't, don't get all scientific on, well, the sun doesn't move. The sun, the earth revolves. Around. Don't, don't do that. Just from, from our thing, the sun rises and sets the way we see it. This gets old. And then he says this, a man cannot utter it, which basically means you can't do anything about it. One of the greatest tools we have as humans is communication. 
our, our ability to communicate with one another, and you can't say anything to nature and make it stop. Anybody been able to simply tell the clouds to start raining yet? Maybe you've yelled at them a couple of times, <laughs> okay? It clouds up, looks really good, come on, rain, all right? That worked for anybody yet? Anybody been able to walk out and say, son, stop? That doesn't work, right? We have no power over it. And then look at what else he says here. In the second half of verse 8. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So as nature itself is on this course and, and things just get old because it keeps repeating itself, it's just on a cycle that goes over and over and over, it's the same way with us. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. The ear is not satisfied with hearing. So no matter how many things I think that I can look at, no matter how much stuff, I, I, no matter how much music I think will, will feel, it's, it's going to get old. It's going to wear off. Your kid's new Christmas toy will be old by New Year's or by the 26th. <laughs> it's, it's going to be old. We are going to get bored with anything. And that's, that's really what we're going to see next week with, with Solomon's um, experiment that he goes on. And so we need to understand, especially in the realm of nature, where he talks about the way that, that earth is just, uh, that nature is just on this course and things are, are not getting, they're not going anywhere, they're just, um, they're just getting old. We see this as a result of sin. And go with me, keep, keep your finger in Ecclesiastes, go with me to Romans chapter 8. So I want, us, I want us to see how this is a result of sin. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to pick up in verse 19. It says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So what Paul says here is when, when Adam and Eve sinned, when, when the fall happened, it affected not only our relationship with God, it affected creation. So that, as it says here, the creation was subjected to futility. And this is what Solomon is observing. The fact that that the sun rises and the sun sets and the sun rises and the sun sets and the wind blows and blows and blows and the streams flow into the ocean, never filling it up. Creation was subjected to futility, so we're in this cycle. And Paul tells us that creation groans to be set free from its bondage. So, so this is where we are. Sin not only breaks our fellowship with God, it, it, it makes the world futile. It, it breaks the earth's purpose. And so, so the earth groans, and I think to a certain extent, this is why we have uh, things like earthquakes, things like 
hurricanes, things like tornadoes, these, these awful natural disasters that we just can't explain because Paul says that creation is groaning to not be subject to futility anymore, to be able to serve its full purpose in glorifying God. So this is where we are. This is what Solomon observes, that, that, that things just keep going and going, and there's no real purpose to it. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes now. Um, we're going to pick up in verse 9. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. Um, so, so he lays it out here. There is nothing new. Um, so, so let's think about this for a minute. Uh, computers are wonderful things. Cars are wonderful things. Airplanes are fantastic inventions. But, but if, you, if you break it down, none of these is new. So a computer basically helps us communicate with each other, and, and in the ages of the internet, communicate uh, more uh, quickly than we have at any other time in history. But in the end, what we're doing on the computer is the same thing as people have done for hundreds of years in writing a note to someone. We can just do it by email and, and send it instantaneously, but it's the same thing. Cars, airplanes help us travel places much, much more quickly. Wow, that was awful grammar. I'm sorry. Much faster. Let's do any English teachers, I apologize. I, I should have minored in English. That's terrible. Um, but in the end, so in the end, we're not doing anything new. Now, what took Lewis and Clark years takes us hours. So we can get places in a hurry, but it's, it's the same thing. In the end, it's just traveling. It's exploring. It's what Columbus did when he set off with his ships. It's not new. There's, there's nothing new. What, what's, what we're doing now has been done before. And you can buy a new sports car and go 200 miles an hour until you get pulled over by the police or wreck and die, in which case you'll be quickly forgotten, <laughs> as, as we're going to see in a minute. Um, or, but, but it's the same thing as if you got on a horse and, and traveled. It's, it's the same thing. There's nothing new. And then verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be after those who come after. Now, where it says former things, that can also say there is no remembrance of former people, nor will, be the, nor will there be any remembrance of later people. Uh, so let's just take a survey. How many of you knew your great-grandparents? Anybody? Anybody knew your great-grandparents? Yeah, I did. I knew I was I was blessed to have known all but one great grandpa. Uh, how about great great grandparents? Anybody in here that knew your great great grandparents? Anybody know your great great grandparents' names? Okay, got a couple. How about great 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 grandparents? One step up, your your granddad's grand great granddad, right? Great great yeah yeah. Anybody? Really? Even with Ancestry.com? No, no, nobody? Okay. All right. I'm, I was just curious. So, so think about that. That's a relatively short 
amount of time. We're talking 75 years or so. And you don't even know their name. Let me give you some news. I don't mean this to be depressing or, or heartbreaking. It's gonna be the same with you. In 75 years, somebody's gonna ask your great, great, great grandchildren, uh, do you know your great, great, great grandparents? Do you know what their names were? No. It's a sobering reality, isn't it? That in 75 years, generally speaking, all of us will be forgotten. Man, that is depressing. I don't know. So, um, so let, let me, let me kind of frame this for you. Um, it, even those who gain great fame, either in this life or, or either while they're alive or after, um, in the end, what gain is that? Um, so so let, me, let me speak personally. My hometown has, I, I could find three people that have gained some level of fame um, from, uh, from Tahoka, Texas through the years. And I'm curious if you even know any of these people or not. That'll, that'll judge whether or not it was fame or not, I guess. Um, does the name Val Walker mean anybody, anything, anybody, any football buffs? Um, Sherry, that, that, that sound familiar? Val Walker? Bruce, he played for the 49ers for a short time back in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so we, had, we had one NFL player. We had a couple of guys who were drafted, never, never really made it into the pros. One guy, Val Walker, played for the, the Packers and the San Francisco 49ers in the 50s. Um, his name Darren Norwood mean anything to anybody? Any country music fans? All right, all right. Twilight, she's, she's a Texas gal, so that, that makes sense. Uh, Darren Norwood's a, a country singer from Tahoka. Mate, had, had a little bit of, a uh, couple of hits back in the mid-90s. Um, not, didn't really go beyond that. Certainly not a, a George Strait or anything like that, obviously, since I say the name and you're all like, uh. Um, this one, maybe, maybe. Wayne Tippett. That name mean anything to you? An actor, Wayne Tippett? Um, he passed away just a couple of years ago. Uh, he was on the, Rock, the Rockford Files. Anybody watch Rockford? Yeah, if you saw his picture, you'd, you'd recognize him. Um, he was in a couple of soap operas, Secret Storm, Search for Tomorrow. He was on Melrose Place. He played Heather Locklear's dad on Melrose Place. Um, and then he had a real short, like, two-minute uh, stint or, or segment on, in the movie JFK, Oliver Stone film back in, back in the 90s. So, See what I mean by fame, right? Um, th these are the most famous people that come out of my hometown. Um, of course, you know, Lubbock has Buddy Holly, and everybody knows Buddy Holly. Um, but, but still, even for those who gain fame, what good is it? So I'm famous, and then I die. And you remember my name? Sweet. Uh, that's, um, so so let's, let's wrap up here. And, uh, and kind of process all this. So what do we do with all this potentially depressing information? Go with me to Ecclesiastes 12. And, and I know, so, so we're going to cover the end of the book here at the very beginning. But because this, this will help serve um, our framing of the book to understand where he's going in the end so that we don't get lost in, in all this depression and, and meaninglessness and all this. 
let's see, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. So this is how he ends. This is where he wraps up. So this is what I see here. Life is short. How are you going to spend it? Life is short. You get a breath of a breath. You're here and then gone. How are you going to spend it? Uh, James says it like this. In James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So life is short. How will you spend it? In the end, I think this draws our attention to the things that we place value on. And the question that that whether or not the things that we do, the things that I value, have eternal significance or not. Am Am I placing high value on things that will last or am I placing value on things that will be gone maybe sooner than I am. Matthew 6, 19-21, these are are some of the most well-known words of Jesus. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The gospel comes to save us from futility. The gospel gives meaning in the midst of meaninglessness. The gospel gives eternal significance to those things that are passing away. So as Chad comes to lead us this morning, when our treasure is stored up in heaven, when your eyes are on Jesus, when your hope is placed in Him, and when you grasp the gospel, the everyday monotonous activities of this life take on eternal significance. And suddenly, your life, which is short, can be a blessing and will lead, if, if your faith is in Christ, your short life will lead to eternity with Christ. This is the hope of Ecclesiastes, that when we see this life through the gospel, we understand that it's short, that it's precious, 
and that my everyday activities as I get up, as I eat breakfast, as I go to work, as I come home, even if we do those things day after day, year after year, and even though they can become monotonous, that can become an act of worship to Almighty God because our faith and our trust is placed in Him. So my question this morning, first of all, where's your trust placed? Have you put it in Christ? Because if not, your, your life is short. Life is short and life is meaningless apart from Christ. But if your faith and hope is, is placed in Christ, then the, the question becomes, what do you place value on? And are you spending this life to bring glory and honor to him and focusing on things that will last? These are our questions. If you, if you would like to come talk, please do. Please use the altar. Uh, if you just need to square some things away with God this morning and get some priorities in order to start placing more emphasis on eternal things rather than on temporal things. Um, however you feel him leading you this morning, uh, I'm going to pray, and then let's, let's uh, spend some time with him. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this great book. Pray that you will use it to speak to our hearts and our minds, and, and as I prayed earlier, to break strongholds where we may have them to, um, to, sh- to kind of serve as a filter as to the things that we allow in our life and, and the things that we choose not to allow in our life. Speak to each of us this morning and, and, and show us the importance of placing emphasis on the eternal, not on the temporary. Focus our eyes and our attention on you this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from the Sunday morning worship service at First Baptist Church in Clayton. We are located at 223 Oak Street, and we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings for Sunday school at 945 and worship at 11. You can reach us at 374-9285 or at fbcclayton.com.